Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. We've got a great show for you tonight. ADHD, what we can learn from systems engineers. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So, Jan, please introduce our guest. Jeff, we're especially pleased to have Zach Copper with us today, and this is a very personal guest for you. Zach is a management consultant with cross-industry and cross-functional expertise in a number of areas, including implementation, sales, talent, organization, analytics, and innovation. With a strategic and analytical mindset, he has helped develop solutions for a plethora of clients. He enjoys bringing high energy to the workplace and strives to use creative, outside-the-box solutions to solve complex problems while managing highly efficient functional teams. In addition to his work, he enjoys continuing his education by constantly learning new areas of focus. He strives to be an extremely well-rounded individual, capable of lending a hand in all business functions. So, Jeff, we're excited to have Zach with us today. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for the warm welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. So, everybody, this is Zach. Many of you have heard about him over the years on Attention Talk Radio. He, he has the same last name for a reason. He's actually my son. Very proud of him. He graduated from college and got his degree in industrial engineering, which is why he's here today, which I want to talk to you about in a second. But one of the things I want to tee this up with is when we go out into the world 
it's kind of efficient sometimes. You get best practices, a tip, trick, or strategy in order to try to figure things out. But at some level, sometimes you need to understand the underlying technology behind things in order to make them happen. And I find a lot of times people with ADHD, they're going out there and they're trying to get organized or design systems and stuff, and they're just kind of winging it. And they don't really understand what we're doing. And so today, the focus of this segment is to take a look at what we can learn from systems engineers just in theoretical principles so that we can maybe kind of apply it in more purposeful way um, for, for people that are working on organizations. So I want to begin, Zach, by just from your perspective, how would you define what engineering is? So engineering, I'd say, as a whole, and, and just focusing on engineering and less of the systems aspect, is really, uh, I would call it kind of a way of thinking, actually, where you, you kind of break down whether what you're looking at, you know, is one holistic piece or a lot of small pieces that work together. So on the system side, you're really looking at a couple moving pieces that are coming together and how you can make that more efficient. If you're a mechanical engineer, you're looking at maybe how a car runs or how something mechanically works, how you can make it more efficient or faster um, or cheaper. If you uh, are industrial engineering, a lot of time you look at supply chain pieces. So maybe, you know, whether your manufacturer is getting items to the supplier on time, how you're storing things in a warehouse, how you can make a supply chain more lean. So really breaking down like a larger, a larger goal or a larger piece into a bunch of smaller objects to increase um, some, some aspect of, of that whole process. So I, I want to – also, everybody out there, my son's got his degree in industrial engineering. My brother got his uh, Ph.D. in mechanical engineering, and so uh, I got all these engineering mindsets. And, and I was really trying to define this, talking to both of them for a period of time. And at a little bit higher level, I want to talk about engineering. It's a science or field that involves using scientific understanding of our natural world to design, invent, or problem-solve in general. And, you know, Zach, I was working with you. I was with you in Denver a couple of years ago. We were talking about, like, what is it to be engineering? And what I learned from that conversation and talking to my brother is you've got to have some model that explains things, and you've got to have some way of looking at it. So, uh, like, Maxwell's equations for electricity, and you've got to have, like, math or something in order to do that. And then you can actually engineer something. So there's like mechanical engineering, there's biological engineering, there's electrical engineering. But industrial engineering kind of came about as the system for all those systems to kind of support it. So it is the business of building systems in order for all that to work. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And so what you're talking about is you walk in and you break down those components to take a look at it individually to understand how it all works, right? Yeah. And when you got out of college, you had one particular job where you were basically taking a look at a, a restaurant-ish type business in order to maybe take a look at their processes. If I remember right, the first thing you guys did was sit down and actually go through and experience it. Was Am I misrepresenting that? No, that's correct. Yeah, we were, we were taking a look at a popular fast food restaurant's drive-through experience. And so in order to actually understand the experience as we analyzed it and kind of broke it down into different parts – no better way to get started than to actually go through, make some notes, take some times, and make some general ob observations about the process in general just from the consumer's standpoint so that we could identify areas to make improvements and make things faster. And when you did that, you had different people looking at different things, some people looking at quality, safety, time, uh, like just marking experience. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. We had people inside the restaurant, outside, and we were able to view some things behind the counter and understand, right, 
how long it took to make your food, how that process looked like as well. And then, yes, to your point, the, the quality control, because at the end of the day, no matter how fast the experience is, customers want their order to be exactly what they ordered. If you say no pickle, we want no pickle. So we have to make sure that the order's <laughs> right, not just speedy. And when you when you guys went through that, uh, you, you did the experience, but I, I'm, I'm going to guess that you guys wrote these things down, maybe in a process map or timeline or time variance, some various tools at least that you had what you, you were looking at. Is, is, that, is that accurate, or was it really just more getting the experience and coming back and brainstorming? You know, honestly, it was really twofold. A lot of just immersing ourselves in the experience was a good kickstart for the project, but it wouldn't be a, a full engineering project without some sort of process flow, um, or diagram at the end of the day. So we did map things out just to kind of understand at, at which points in the process we identified uh, abilities for improvement. Okay, what? I want to come back to that. Let's go to a break real quick, and we'll spend some more time about that actual process and what you're doing. Um, before we go to a break, everybody, our secret word tonight is system. Again, our secret word is system. We'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now back to Attention Talk Radio. Look, everybody, we're back here with my son, um, Talking about engineering and the notion of what we can learn from systems engineering um, and take that knowledge and kind of apply it to our everyday life, particularly the world of people with ADHD when it comes to organization and systems. And before the break, really we started talking about engineering as being a field to like, solve problems based off our understanding of the world. Uh, there's many different fields of engineering, but industrial engineering is kind of the one that crosses all of them because it's about the systems and the organization, all those different um, lends themselves to support everything in businesses. And one of the, we talked about before the break is one of the things that first happens when they're going to go in is mapping out kind of what's there. And, and Zach was explaining to us the ride through this restaurant thing and, 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 and pulling that stuff together. Zach, when you go back and you start putting that stuff down on paper, I got to believe that sometimes it's illuminating about, wow, okay, well, that, that works, or I didn't see that. But other times you start to see disconnects or you start to see like, okay, we're converting from this process to a manual process. Is that accurate or, or is there, or just to just describe your experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, to your point, once we map it out visually and for a lot of engineers and a lot of people in general that have a, a very visual way of thinking and, and looking at these problems, once you get it all mapped out on paper so that you're no longer thinking about it as in the experience that we went through because we'll, we'll think, okay, cool, we just took our order for the same fast food example. We just took our order. Okay, now we're waiting. Okay, we just got our food. And then the process flow will show, okay, order is taken. It goes into the ordering system. It gets printed mm -hmm. out as a ticket in the back kitchen. Somebody picks up the ticket. You know, then they put whatever in the deep fryer, and we kind of go from there. 
once you really break it down from a task-by-task level on a big visual board, now your brain is able to absorb everything holistically and look at each of the individual pieces and how they fit into that common goal at the end of the day instead of just the experience at each one of those steps in the process. So to your point, yeah, it's, it's really good once you map it out in order to see some of these inefficiencies where you may not think that, let's say, step two actually correlates really strong to step 48 um, in the experience itself, but you're able to kind of deduce that once you look at the, the picture as a whole. And you're, you're looking at – you have the process – you're also looking at functions and roles of different players or different things along the process. Is that because it, it's not just the process? I mean, there's a couple of dimensions here. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can definitely look at it in in one of many ways, right? So when it, you look at the process as a whole, there is the process that happens step by step. But then if you ask yourself, who is making this process happen? Right now, you're looking at more of a function for a human resource that's coming into play, right? There's a, a lot of moving parts and in each individual step, which also will bring up different constraints on the, the problem as a whole, right? Labor mm-hmm. is a big constraint. Um, so if you look at the function of a human being putting something in a deep fryer, you want to see how easy you can make the system for them to use and also maybe how many things they can do at once. If you make it easier, then maybe one resource can put two things in the fryer at the same time instead of just focusing on one and setting a timer. So I want to pause here for a second because we're going to do a second show to this because we're talking about what we can learn from industrial engineering, and we're going to kind of apply it to the ADD world kind of in our next show. But one thing I want to stop here and highlight that's really, really a big deal. Zach, I'm hearing is when you go through, you're mapping out everything as it currently is, and you're putting it down, and the big thing is we're looking at facts now, not feelings. We're putting the facts on the piece of paper, not interpretations, not how we think it should be, but this is the raw data. This is here it is. Is that accurate? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the best way to map things out, I think, in the first go-around, is because you can't really argue with some of the hard numbers. Say that again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it, you can't really argue with the hard numbers, so it's really important to have the facts put down, right? If you have any sort of quantitative or numerical measurements in the system, those will always be your basis for the measurement for any sort of improvement. So the, the numbers are always going to be the facts. And, and again, this, I'm teeing this up because we're going to start talking about in the next show about self-observation. And I'm going to pause here and say, like, sometimes an organization will go in. Like, I was, I've coached a dentist one time that they were taking a look at his office, and they actually had people walk around doing time variance. They were literally taking time that it took to do each task and how long it took to, to take care of different patients with different diagnoses so they could get the data and slam the things together to come out with the, what the – the normative time was for them to do that, for them to start to put together what a day looked like and how many um, appointments these people could kind of make. Again, I'm emphasizing this again, that this is something that we can learn from industrial engineering is they map everything out and they start looking at facts because you can't engineer anything if you're really kind of dealing with feelings at that point in time. So next phase is, Zach, as, you, as you're going through and you get this, these, the facts kind of together and you get all that kind of mapped out, then there's the brainstorming process to figure out what happens next. Tell us about your experience with that, particularly with this restaurant thing. Yeah, absolutely. So once we map everything out in that process in like a big diagram, we'll do a, a couple different exercises. For this one specifically, we were working with a couple of visual and business designers, so we did a little bit more interactive of an exercise to put it together. But essentially what you want to do is map the whole journey from start to finish. 
and then identify different areas where there are pain points. And, and pain points can be anything that could be slowing down the system. It could be a painful part of the journey for the customer. Um, so specifically in this instance, we found that in the drive-through process, a lot of customers would roll up in their car. Maybe they have a family in the back seats and somebody approaches, they're like, hey, what do you want to order? Well, the family may not be able to see the menu. That's the pain point. You have a, a little mm. bit of you know, decision anxiety. Nobody knows what they can get. They want to see all of the options, a, a very American way of thinking as well, right? I want to consider everything. <laughs> um, so you map out all the different pain points, and then from there, right, that's where we can identify where we want to put our efforts next. And then we start to think about alternatives. Then we start to ask the question, why is this a pain point? Well, they can't see the menu. Okay, so let's put more menus out there. Let's maybe give them menus they can pass around in the car. Let's give them a QR code so they can all view it on their phone, right? What's a way to make it more accessible to the customer to relieve this pain point? All right, so this is spectacular. So we're talking about facts, not feelings. Now we're going through and we're looking for pain points, disconnects, things that are there to kind of improve on. As an analogy, again, I'm teeing this up for the next show. People with ADHD often, like, if they've got something that they think they need to do, number one, they're not looking at the facts. And often they're not looking at pain points. They're jumping to whole new systems. They'll go read a book and say, I'm supposed to go do it this way. Again, I'm just planting seeds right now because this is the stuff that we can kind of learn when we come back to it. So, so you're mapping that stuff out. You find the pain points, and then you're coming back as a group and really kind of brainstorm how you could eliminate that pain point. I'm hearing that you're not always doing a complete overhaul of the system. You're just tweaking the system at this thing to make it run more efficient. Am I misrepresenting that? No, that's, that's perfectly right. But I do want to say that although sometimes tweaking one small part of the system or the whole process can be easy, where the systems engineering can come into play because a lot of these processes will talk to each other, specifically in a, a little bit more technical of a system. So if we're looking away from a fast food restaurant and maybe the way that a software runs on a computer, you can tweak one part of the system really easily in person sometimes. But sometimes if you're mm -hmm. tweaking one part of the system, then you just have to be aware of what dependencies or what parts of that system depend on the one that you're tweaking because it can have some, some larger ranges of effects. So you just have to take into account what you're looking at because you can tweak one part and it can work really well and be a very quick change. Like you can add the QR code for people to scan to get the menu on their phone before they order. Or if you're looking at a software platform and you decide to change the way that somebody submits a piece of information in the tool that may have effects down the road. <laughs> So being somebody who got their MBA uh, with a concentration in finance, we always often talk about return on investment. Um, but this is what we call the ripple of impact. <laughs> is this thing can happen and have downstream type stuff that kind of creates some problems. Let's go to break and we'll come back because part of in systems engineering, we'll start, we're going to move into ergonomics, fitting the person, if you will, to the job. There's a physical side and a cognitive piece of it, and that's why we're going to go to break right now because it's going to be real good to kind of come back and hit that piece. So we'll go to break. Again, our secret word today tonight is systems. With that, we'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. 
Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are... Trying, a little bit of lessons learned from systems engineer, and uh, we're here talking to my son, Zach, who's got a degree in um, industrial engineering, systems engineering, and we've been talking about what it's all about, and I really like to highlight from the last segment a few key things that we're going to carry down the road, which is important. One, mapping everything out, writing it down to focus on the facts of the system, not feelings. Uh, you can't problem solve based off of feelings and opinion. Number two, you go through and you look for the pain points, uh, where those, those issues are. Uh, brainstorm and when you're brainstorming you're always looking at the ripple of impact it's not just this one thing because sometimes it has impact with some other things so I want to make a little bit of a turn now now Zach when you're designing systems there's we start to move into ergonomics here at one point in time and that is basically fitting a human being to a system and we're, we're focused on human beings a part of the system because that's not our crowd you could have a automated a system in the background but when you're dealing with human beings you take it up there and in the physical world Ergonomics is very much fitting uh, the, the, the person to the job. So like a chair, you might have a chair, you might have somebody six feet, somebody's three feet, and you got to, to move that stuff around. There's also cognitive ergonomics, making it easy for the user to, to work with. Can you tell us about ergonomics and fitting the person to the job just from the physical side of it, and then we'll talk about the cognitive part. Yeah, absolutely. So from a physical side, ergonomics is extremely important, especially when it comes to a lot of repetitive tasks. So I had an internship way back in the day where I was working at a manufacturing plant and we were helping to design a system and a tool that made it easier for workers in the plant to assemble uh, a piece of equipment then. And so you have to look at the way that the body works in terms of making it easy for people to use. So, Mm -hmm. for example, right, a, a big, like an easy piece, like first of all, is how can we eliminate people having to bend over and pick things up because that puts a lot of strain on the body, right? How do we make a tool that fits perfectly in the human hand so that they're not getting carpal tunnel or getting a lot of joint pains, especially when working some long hours in overtime? So it's really important to make sure that it's easy for the person to use. Now, the effects of a really well-designed system with ergonomics is that typically people will be happier in their job. They'll be able to do more work or complete more in the same amount of time and potentially be able to do two tasks at once. Um, And and a really easy example that I like to tell people when you think about ergonomics is your working setup. Now, a perfect ergonomic working setup has your monitor, the top of your computer monitor, exactly at eye level, so that you're looking straight on or slightly below. A lot of people that I see that are working in offices will kind of be hunched over their computer. They'll complain about lower back pain. But at home, I have my office set up and my chair set at, like, the more ergonomically accepted height. And as a result... I find that I can focus better because I'm not 
interrupted with, oh, my back hurts, I need to stretch, or I need to stand up and move now. It's all, it's all easy to use. It makes me more productive as a whole. It makes people more productive as a whole, and you get a lot of benefits in your system as a result. And I want to emphasize there's a productivity thing, there's a safety thing, there's a fatigue thing. All these things are designed to adapt the person to that job. To take, and this can get quite complicated, I'm sure, in some situations. I mean, depending on the, 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 the environment, it could be pretty diverse, right? Yeah, and again, it really depends from person to person. Like if you think about the way that an airline seats are designed, it's to fit the average size, average size Joe. You have people that walk on a plane that are, you know, seven feet plus. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for them if they're sitting in a coach seat in the middle where they can't spread their legs out, their knees are maybe pressing in front. Um, if you're too short where your legs don't touch the ground, I know when I was a kid I used to hate that on an airplane. It, it can be really complicated to match to everybody individually because people come in all shapes and sizes. Mm. Uh, that was a great example. I <clears throat> My legs are kind of short. I'm six foot, but sitting down, I'm a lot taller, and I hate airplane seats. They just don't make my back. Of course, I bring stuff on now, but it's another story. So we're talking about that side of it. Now we're really starting to have some fun. We're going to transition a little bit to our our world. What do systems engineers do when it comes to cognitive ergonomics? Like, where do they start, or or do they? Can they do anything? Absolutely, no. That's that's a really good question, and this is one that I think is often overlooked. Um, A lot of people once they get really advanced in a a certain position, like to see as much information as possible at once, just because it's easier for them to, you know, get a little here, a little there without having to move around, maybe open different programs or whatnot. Like a perfect example is people at home that have three monitors, right? If you're in a new job, having three monitors can be very overwhelming, but if you're very seasoned uh, or like an air traffic controller, having to see all that information at once is really helpful. Now, if you're talking about having new users in a system and making it really easy to learn, really easy to adopt, a really good example of this um, and using cognitive ergonomics is when you're driving to the airport. If you notice when you're going to pick somebody up from arrivals, um, you're looking to drop somebody off at departures, when you drive into an airport, every set of signage and instruction that you see is very small and easily digestible. So, for example, in the Tampa airport, the one I'm most familiar with, you'll drive in. The first decision is red or blue terminal. That's it. You Mm -hmm. choose A or B. The next one is do you want departures, arrivals, or parking? And from there, it's way easier for a human being to digest that information instead of driving into the airport and seeing maybe a, you know, 15-page Wikipedia article on the sign that's like, (laughs) okay, well, to go to American Airlines and the blue terminal departures, you're going to want to take this lane, right? So it's really easy to digest that information, and and that's where cognitive ergonomics really comes into play a lot is making the information super easy to learn, super Mm -hmm. easy to digest, and really just eliminating a lot of follow-up questions because then that, that just creates, a, you know, a little bit of extra work in the system. You want to make it lean and easy to follow. This is perfect, Zach. So the, the thing about this is I had never thought about what you described, but it's spot on, me going to the airport. But the thing I think is really important that I want everybody to take away is you're still having to play for the middle, the mean, the airplane seat. It doesn't work for me very well because of my back. Cognitively, some people um, – this will adapt to this as a piece of cake, but I can also see sometimes how if you're an outlier, like your brain doesn't work that way, this could be overwhelming, really kind of problematic. But there's, there's, a, there's an issue here right now because, one, 
as an engineer, you've got to design this thing, number one. And number two, you don't know all the outliers unless they let you know what's going on. So you guys are always trying to find ways to do it, but you're having to infer this from people because people can't see the tangibility of cognition. I'm not sure I'm articulating that the best way, but there's, you guys go to a point, but there's a limit to how far you can go because you can't customize it to the individual brain. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are there are kind of ways we try and make that a little bit easier across the board. Like, for example, even though I also have a lot of pain on airline seats, they're designed for, like, the most common, most average build of an American for the most part. Um, or for the example where you're driving into an airport, taking one decision at a time, even though it's easily digestible in theory, we know mm-hmm. it's a lot of decision-making. So as a result, we make the speed limit significantly lower, right? You drive into mm-hmm. an airport – Sometimes it's 20, sometimes it's 15 when you're getting into picking somebody up, right? It gets really, really slow. We acknowledge that some people are like, wait a minute, I thought I was red. I just found out I'm blue. Now I need to merge over five lanes, right? You can do that way easier at 25, 30 miles per hour than if we set the speed limit at 60. We try and adjust for some of that, you know, to make it a little bit easier, but you're, you're spot on. So we have this big funnel. We've talked about engineering, the different kinds. We've isolated industrial engineering, systems engineering. We've worked our way through. It's about, like, fact, not feelings. We're looking for the pain points. Once it's written down on paper, we're brainstorming on that, and, and then we're bringing it down to the user. Um, from the physical world, it's easy to make those individual adjustments. For the cognitive world, we're playing kind of to the average. And one of the things that I want to kind of highlight, and this is not the best analogy, but when you go to school, Schools are designed a certain way, and when you go there, some people with ADHD, they, they have struggled maybe in a teacher's class or whatever because it's loosely related. They're doing things the same way to, to deal with the norm. But here's the thing. When it comes to cognitive ergonomics, hey, you have to understand what works for you because nobody can guess and figure out what that is. So it's really, really important for you to begin to understand what works for you, for you to tweak the system a little bit as best you can for where the engineers take it. Did I articulate that where it made some sense, Zach? Or... Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's spot on, right? Especially in school, understanding specifically your learning style is really important because that's essentially your way of customizing yes. your system in order to absorb information. Absolutely, absolutely. So logically, we worked our way kind of through this process to understand what's going on. We've thrown a couple of seeds out there for the next interview that we're going to do with him that will air a week after this one to kind of talk about it. So I hope you take this one and kind of encourage it. Before we close this show down, any last thoughts or insights to share with people with regard to engineering systems, especially, and then bent towards the individual? Last thoughts? Yeah, I would say um, if you – take a look at your life as a system and you identify the individual metrics first and from there look at the pain points, you can really start to change some of your habits in order to achieve a goal. So if you, right, if you are routinely 15 minutes, 15 minutes late to a commitment, right, that's the fact. You're routinely 15 minutes late. You look at why you're late and you maybe find that the pain point is you spend 15 minutes looking for your keys to get to the car. Now you can try and think about, well, which way do I go to the car? Do I walk through the front door? Yes. Do I leave my keys on the couch? Okay, well, maybe put the keys by the front door. You're already going to walk there anyways. Make it that really easy decision where your brain thinks, oh, I need the keys to go to the car. Now they're right here, right, and move forward. If you start to approach your, your own life and maybe things that you want to improve from that, look at the facts, identify the pain points, address the pain points, 
then it'll be really easy to develop a new habit or a system in which you can try and satisfy a new goal. I love what he just said. Don't be intimidated by what he said. The next show we're going to talk about that because if you have any, you know, like I can't remember where I put my keys. Trust me, we're going to kind of cover that. But the idea really is he's more analytically, like taking a look at your behavior and looking at the system, you can more analytically design something that's customizable for you. Again, I want to reiterate, I got a lot of people that go out and say I'm disorganized and they read lots of books and they're trying to make them their systems into what the books say, but they never go back and study their existing system, understand why it's there, understand what the pain points are there. So again, more on that in our next show. So, Zach, I uh, appreciate you coming on. This is great. Yeah, thank you so much. This is a good time. Everybody, I hope you gained something. Again, if you're watching this, make some notes. Catch us next week on Attention Talk Radio because we're going to do a follow-up. They're going to translate this into the AV world. So with that, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.